0: Welcome back to the ZeitCast, everybody. I am so thrilled today to get to introduce you to one of my dearest friends, Aaron Nequist. I am absolutely evangelistic about his work. Uh, Aaron is a liturgist. (laughs) He is a songwriter. Uh, His new book, The Eternal Current, even for what we're doing at the table in Oklahoma City, is one of the books that's kind of in the vernacular of what we're doing here. Um, We had the community read that like, earliest stage before we had a single gathering because I think it's that foundational like for any community and he's just an amazing human being whom I love I just Aaron also has a new podcast that I definitely want you to check out is that also called the 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 eternal current
1: Yep. I couldn't think of any other titles. So it's the same title of the book. I started to yep. call it The Eternal Podcast.
0: And I was like, that's also a great title. That's more like what
1: I'm doing is The
0: Eternal Podcast. I'm like, I'm just right. doing, that is The Eternal Podcast. <laughs> no, it's, I, 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 I'm amazing. so excited about the podcast. And we were doing a little trading off. I got to be on yours. You were gracious enough to be on mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's such a big deal to have you here. So take thank you for taking the time to...
1: Here. Oh man, honored to be here. Love talking to you all the time. So. so
0: the Zeitcast, of course, is a new venture here and we've talked about a lot of things, but one of the things that's so foundational to me, of course, you and I have been on this journey together for a long time. Uh, and I feel like, well, yep. you're one of the folks who's most shaped this journey for me in terms of coming from a more Pentecostal evangelical space and um, to be more liturgically formed living at those intersections, Mm. bringing that together. So I definitely want to talk about liturgy, how liturgy shapes us, but I think maybe where I'd want to start is, is here because I feel like this is a, this is a phrase of yours. I mean, I I know other people traffic kind of in this idea, but I don't think anybody quite articulates this the way that you do or as me the way that you have around, around this. So Aaron, like, what is a practice-shaped faith? What, what is that? And why is that huh. phrase so important to you?
1: Yeah. Well, um, again, this is so fun to be on, be on this podcast with you. Uh, have these conversations that we've had in basements and after hours so many times. Yeah. Um, I think I, when I talk about a practice-based faith, I mean it in specific contrast to a beliefs-based faith. And that's the kind of faith I grew up in, where basically what Jesus was asking of us is to believe three or four facts, say a prayer, and then wait for heaven. Mm. Like that was the thing. Make sure your brain is correct. Mm-hmm. And while I still believe that beliefs are incredibly important, I don't think they change us. Yeah. They don't change us like ontologically, you know, at our, at our soul level. And they weren't what Jesus was inviting us into. I, I think in the, the book, The Eternal Current, I just say, Jesus didn't say, here is the truth, believe it. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, I am the truth, follow me, mm-hmm. join me, participate. So the invitation is not correct beliefs. The invitation is participation. And so that's mm-hmm. some of what I mean by a practice-based faith.
0: Yeah. I love that so much. And it's, you know, it's interesting Aaron now because I feel like that's so in the vernacular of what we're doing at the table. It's kind of like the language that we lead with really is this idea that Mm -hmm. uh, we're about shared practices more so than shared ideas.
1: I get
0: get excited about it because I feel like there's a liberation that's promised there. I feel like um, Mm -hmm. there's a power to shared practices and a unity that's possible That just kind of shared intellectual ideology wouldn't necessarily take us. But I also find this interesting. I'm learning more and more that for a lot of Christians, um, that language feels threatening. Like they're nervous. Yes. Yes. This is more about practices than beliefs.
1: Right. There has in some circles and definitely in my circles growing up, there is a strong and I would say unnecessary dualism between faith and works. Yes, I mean we've had this pounded. We Protestants have had this pounded into our heads. It's not about what you do for God; it's what God does through Christ for us. Mm-hmm. Now, at one level, I completely agree. <laughs> I mean, um, right. without the grace of God through Christ flowing to us, unmerited, without that, we're screwed. I mean, that is the beginning, middle, and end. But the invitation is not just say, yeah, that's probably true. The invitation is to participate. Um, You know, I've been using this analogy of this eternal current, this river. Um, The invitation is not just, yeah, that that river exists. (laughs) The invitation is learn to swim, get swept up, join Christ. It's all grace. The river that's flowing is grace, grace, grace but we get to learn how to swim in it and that's what changes us that's how we get to participate in what god's doing to change the world and um so yeah so this dualism of either either grace or works is bs That's not the story. Um, It is grace that flows through our participation and is participation that is only possible because of grace. So it's one of those great both ands.
0: Aaron, I I love that so much. And I feel like you so embody the both and as opposed to the either or. I'm curious, though, in terms of, you know, and especially for people who aren't familiar with your story, you... And of course, you've, you've just done a lot of interesting things in terms of ministry. And I always hear you speak honorably about all that. I mean, of course, leading worship at Mars Hill, kind of during the glory years when Rob Bell was there, being at Willow Creek. Um, I feel like you have such a, you have an evangelical pedigree of a, of a certain kind that wouldn't necessarily explain this whole liturgical trajectory. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like what was sort of the craving in your own soul? Like what, what set you on this journey? Uh, because this, this isn't exactly where you come from, right. In terms of like, you were born <laughs> into liturgy and Eucharist. Oh yeah. Practice bath, faith. Like where did,
1: where did this? No, 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 from? no, no, no. I mean, liturgy was a dirty word. Mm. I mean, liturgy was what, um, cultural Christians do to avoid God. Wow, You know, liturgy, I mean, we disparage the whole idea and, um, so I think for me, two things happened. One, my faith imploded. So what I was doing stopped working categorically ran out of gas. So there's a very personal side. Um, but, but maybe I'll, t- I'll talk about the, the, uh, practical, the ministry side. Um, I got to Mars Hill, and at that time, especially Rob Bell was talking about the kingdom and participation with God and this mm-hmm. sweeping um, theology of the whole world and our joining God and rede- redeeming all things. You know, very NT right, very sweeping. Yeah. And I showed up there as the worship leader, and all I had was four pop songs and a hymn. Mm-hmm. And and I, I realized really quickly, like the tools in my toolbox couldn't even begin to help our community participate in this big invitation that Rob was extending every week. And so this, you know, what was going on in my life personally was changing. And then I was in this new context and I just remember thinking, I have got to find more tools in my toolbox as a worship leader, as a liturgist. And so that actually launched me into well, how do other communities do it? How do other other traditions do it? And suddenly I realized, you know, as Christians, we are sitting on these treasures that I knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how that began. Mm.
0: What did it look like for you? And because I feel like this is, you know, I as I travel and do some of the random things that I'm doing, I feel like I hear from so many people. First of all, I'm, I never cease to be amazed at how many people are on this kind of journey. Yeah. And how many people are on this kind of journey who are in the context of vocational ministry.
1: That's so true.
0: Yes. What happens when you're on this kind of journey, but you're on a staff somewhere and you're part, or or, or maybe even not on a staff, you're part of a people, you're part of a congregation Yep. Where the people around you may or may not be on the same kind of journey. Like, how do you yep. how do you figure that stuff out? Especially while you're in the context of leadership.
1: Oh man, that's really complicated. And as you know, um, it's really really common. Yeah. Um, You've probably had so many off-the-record conversations of pastors and uh, associate pastors, especially <laughs> who sure. are like, "My something's changing in me, and I don't think I belong in the community I'm helping to lead." Mm-hmm. And that is really, I think, before I went through it myself, I would have said, you know, well, then quit, you know, make a big stand, you know, don't be a sellout, you know. Yeah. But it's a lot more complicated than that you know yeah. um you know m- many pastors have kids they're trying to put shoes on their feet and and send them to school and and this is part of their vocation and it's very complicated not to mention how deep and confusing our own morphing and changing faith is i mean right. we don't know you know i remember when when i when my faith was falling apart about half the time i was like wow this is exciting i'm moving to a new place And the other half, I was like, something's dying. And I think I'm dying with it, Mm. you know, and, um, it was very, very, uh, those are difficult waters to, to move through just as a human, let alone as a professional Christian. And so at this point, I have so much grace for my sisters and my brothers who are in ministry, trying to navigate how long can I stay in this place? Where should I bring change and and where should I honor who and what we are? Um, yeah. Because not everyone should be on the same path at the same pace, right? And sure. so it's easy to look down at others who aren't exactly where we are. But you know, mm-hmm. there's someone else who's way down the path from us. <laughs> and I hope they have grace for us for where we are, you know So that is I, I feel actually very tender about that question at this point, yeah. because it, it's a messy, it's, it's messy. Mm.
0: Would you describe that messiness, which I know so well personally, yeah. and I feel like I do, I am having that conversation in yeah. some form, basically every day of my life, <laughs> but uh, I love the Aaron. And it gives it just, it so connects with my own experience, that sense of there's a hopefulness and excitement, but also a sense that maybe a part of you is dying. Like, yeah. do you, do you still feel that? Like, do you feel like whatever the, do you feel like you're living into the new thing? Or do you f- still feel like that there's, yeah, old things passing away and that you're in transition? Yeah. And like, how do you experience that now? Oh, that's
1: so good. You know, I, I had my first major faith implosion. That was right out of college. That was um, probably 2000, 2001. And I thought, you know, I, I, I like to say, you know, I was born again, again, it was kind of a second conversion type moment and very profound. And I wanted to think that was a one and uh, not one and done a two and done. I wanted to think that would, that would hold, but there have been a couple full death and rebirths since then. And so if you're asking right now, um, I happen to be in a rebirth moment. Um, where I, I can see all the things that have died, but I can truly attest to every time something died, something else was reborn. I mean, it's the Paschal mystery. Uh, you and I have been talking about that for years. I mean, you came to the practice yeah. and taught on the Paschal mystery, the rhythm, all of the universe, um, from biology to uh, uh, human. Uh, human growth and evolution to our spiritual lives embodied in christ is this birth death rebirth birth death resurrection this cycle that we're in so as much as i want it to be a one and done wow glad i got through that and now it's smooth sailing forever it won't be because that's the the rhythm that we're in but where that would have scared me before now i say it's gonna hurt i mean death is terrible. It's. I, I don't want to sugarcoat. Like, oh, it's 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 kind of cool. No, 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 It's 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 horrible. It's death. Mm-hmm. But it's making space for something new to be born. Mm. Thanks be to God. Yes,
0: that's beautiful, and it's. I love what you said there. That's that just that's just happening all yes. the time. It never yes. stops. Just constant yes. cycles of death and resurrection. Because uh, I don't know. I still think I'm a little more programmed to. Expect it to be more linear than that. And it's just I, not, know, it's a, I know we
1: all are. Yes. Death,
0: resurrection and to another death, to another resurrection, over again. Yeah. Um you gestured this, Aaron, a couple different ways. One of the things that um that I love about you and that I it's interesting because like I, I I connect with you on this and it's like inspires me. And I also like I can sense your tension, I feel like, with this all the time. I feel like it's yeah. so in you to both, okay whether in sort of the more liturgical work that you're doing and kind of bringing streams together or um when you when you feel like you need to speak out about something politically i see both this tension in you of like prophetic critique and yet also you are always struggling to try to honor the tradition mm-hmm. trying to navigate that tension between continuity and discontinuity yeah. Yes. And I love it because I can, like, I almost I can feel the wrestle in you that I'm sure people <laughs> can feel in me. Sure, oh yeah, I'm always yeah, yeah. Trying to do the same yeah. thing.
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean that's that's a real struggle. And the first thing I would say is is not everyone is called to be both a prophet and a priest. Yeah. Um, but as the Christian Church, we are called to be prophets and priests. So I think anytime a whole community or a whole church becomes only angry prophets, Mm -hmm. um, it, it becomes very destructive or anytime a whole church becomes just priestly, um, pacifiers, um, it becomes really unhelpful to the world. Um, I'll give you a a quick example um, of how we at the practice tried to hold this together. Um, 2016, there was ele- there was an election. I'm not sure if you heard about that election. Oh, there was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was. There was. It was, there was a little thing that happened. <laughs> um, and that fall, we we happened to be going through um, the Beatitudes, uh, mm-hmm. one Beatitude per Sunday, where we, were, we were, we'd study it and learn a practice that helped us flesh it out. Well, the Sunday after the election was blessed are the peacemakers, I, and we didn't plan that. It's just how it, and we were like. What are we going to do? You know, you wake up that Wednesday morning, and our community had a few Trump supporters. Um, Our community had a number of real Trump resistors, but we were all just in the heartbreak of how did it get this ugly? And how did it? I mean, we were all just heartbroken, no matter what side we had found ourselves on. And so what we decided to do that Sunday is we said, we want to embody both the priestly and the prophetic. And so we asked our favorite priest, Father Michael Sparrow, who's a Jesuit priest, um, to write a priestly prayer for President Trump. And he actually used the Beatitudes and prayed the, uh, uh, the Beatitudes over President Trump in, in more an aspirational sense. Um, and it was beautiful, and it was uncomfortable. And, and then we, we sat in a minute of silence to kind of agree with that. And then we asked um, uh, our friend Claudia um, to pray a prophetic prayer for uh, President Trump. And this is both out of the the Hebrew tradition and out of her Latina tradition. And she's a fiery, and she got up there, and it was it was not out of control, but it was you know, a call to repentance for the divisive mm-hmm. language, for the, and we just let the priestly prayer and the prophetic prayer sit side by side. Both are true, and then at the end, we all stood and prayed the Lord's prayer together. And it was uncomfortable. It was beautiful. There were tears. There was awkward shifting in our, in the, in, in our pews. Um, But I think it was a little bit of holding those, the two roles of the church together. So.
0: Mm. I love that. And I feel like it's such a, it's such an uncommon witness. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, as as polarized as things are right now, yeah. do you think it's possible for congregations to still hold that kind of both and space where people can have radically different ideology politically and otherwise and yet come to the table together? Like is that can that still be done yeah. in the moment we are in? It...
1: I have to say yes because I think it's the only way. But I would be lying if I said I see a lot of examples of it. You know, it's like, maybe this is the now and not yet aspiration. I mean, if we can't come to the table because of the current president, like, then this whole thing that we're giving our lives and souls to is not as strong as we believe. I mean, it's got to be bigger than whatever the politics of the moment uh, happens to be. And yet, um, This is not just about politics. I mean, you know, I mean, this is so much deeper. This is about race. This is about vision for the future. This is about what we believe about the other. This is about what we believe about religion and supremacy, whether it's Christian supremacy or white supremacy, or what, I mean, you name it. This is about deep. Um, you, you know, I'm not Pentecostal like, like you are, but I mean, this is about principles and, and this is about, uh, principalities. I mean, this is, uh, deep stuff. So my, my honest answer is yes, it has to be. And, I don't know how we're going to get there. Mm,
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is an honest answer. I love that. Um, Mm. What do you not just, I hope this is the hard gear shift, but I think it, to me, it's so connected, especially when, if in fact a a practice based based faith is the only path forward, the only way that we can transcend ideological difference. I got to tell you, you know, because I really, I find myself uh, to this moment when I, talk to different people, clergy, but just like anybody. I talk about the practice so much. And of course you're in New York now, but the practice yeah. that you led within Willow Creek at Chicago, because I think there were so many things that you were doing that I've just not seen done elsewhere. And one of the things that was so was, and by the way, as much as I loved coming, and I mean I I I've never loved anything more. I mean I had the time of my life yeah, yeah. being with you there and getting to partner. But I tell you And what, the
1: community loved you. I mean right. you were when you showed up I mean, it was it was really exciting. It's a cool like, thing.
0: There's like three places where I'm actually walking <laughs> in this way. So i that never granted, I can assure you, I'm such a weird, weird kid. I think. But man, like the, I always so had, felt like I had to like really bring my A game because whenever I came, I knew this is the expectation. Okay, Jonathan, who wants you to come in, and preach, you know, twenty minutes or so. But yep. we want a comparably long practice. Like whatever amount of time is spent, whatever kind of real estate is given to preaching and teaching, at least that much time needs to be spent in some kind of practice. I've not seen that done anywhere else Mm -hmm. before or since. Why did you make that decision? What was it about? And what difference did that make in the the, community that you guys were producing, the kind of people you produced?
1: Oh, what a a great question. Well, how about this? Let me just talk about one specific practice. and it's one that we 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 made central for the reason that I, that I'll explain. Um, we all know that Jesus says, "Pray for your enemies, bless those who curse you." Um, that that is in the text. We all know it. We all can quote it. Mm. None of us do it. Sure. None's too strong. of us don't spend consistent time praying for enemies and bless those who curse us. And so we just got to the point where, you know, uh, mostly Christians who attend, um, they know this information. I think a, a sermon on this is really important, but only to a certain point. At a certain point, we need to actually do it. Yeah. So the sermon is incredibly important, but only to set up the consistent practice. Mm-hmm. And not we don't need to do that one time. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're like, you know, if you're like me and most of us, we need to do to do that every day we pray for not just our big enemies our nations enemies and not just our political enemies those who drive us crazy on twitter or on the news but we need to pray for our neighbor mm. that that person who did that thing or our boss or our senior pastor or our spouse mm. or our you know the person who's become like an enemy that if we just brush that aside it doesn't go away. And that's the genius of Christ. Um, God wants God wants to set us free. And some of how God sets us free is by inviting us into these practices. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus says, set aside time to pray God's blessing on them, not that God would punish them, not that God would change them, that God would bless them. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. It opens the flow of mercy. Um, toward them certainly, but back toward us also. So, why do we do an equal um, sermon and practice? Is because we desperately need both. Yes, yes,
0: yes. For that word, for the word to be made flesh, for the word for to be
1: embodied, to incarnation. Be yes, yeah. that is the central. That is the central concept of our faith. Mm-hmm. And what a better way to say yes to that concept than to embrace that concept by incarnating the concept, right? So the incarnation, yes.
0: That's lovely. That's so so beautiful. Well, tell you what, Aaron, I I, I know you're going to need to go, but I'd love to close this way. And of course, now when I was on your podcast, and this is, of course, part of the difference between our personalities, you prepared me so well with all these wonderful questions and everything (laughs) that I thought through. But I would love to turn the tables on you with something that you did with me, especially because I'm telling you, I have, and I'm not just saying this to be kind or whatever, so many core practices in my own prayer life um, I got from the practice, either from Mm -hmm. time with the community or from the practice retreat we've done together. I mean, so many things to this day, to this moment, even this morning, things that I've done in terms of ground and center me I got from my time with you and from your community. So, especially as we've been talking about, the power of these kind of practices to shape us. And I just feel like especially in all the noise, yeah. Um, we are so desperate to just come come in out of the rain, come into yeah. the shelter a little bit. And this, I would love it if you could guide us in any sort of practice by way yeah. of person, anything that would create that kind of space for us to be with God and kind of be inside our own skin for a minute and just, yes. just
1: get connected. I would love to. I'd be honored to. Um, how about this? Um, because this is your podcast, um, can I lead a practice I've never led before?
0: Yeah. And this is something
1: I experienced about two weeks ago and, um, it has been messing with me and I would love to, um, lead you and those who are listening in this practice. So it's going to involve our hands. Um, so if you're driving, please don't do this right now. Uh, <laughs> but if you are free, um, let me just explain it and then we'll do it. It's three hand postures. We begin by opening our hands down around our waist, um, just opening them lower. And then we're, go- we're going to, um, name something that we're holding in a heavy way. And then we're going to lift our hands up to our mouths and as a way, we're gonna tell God about this, how we're feeling about it and what it feels like to carry this burden. And then finally, we're gonna lift our hands over our heads and we're gonna release this into the hands of the one who made this universe and holds it together. And we're gonna do this in a couple different ways. So we'll, we'll move through this rhythm uh, together. Does that, does that make sense?
0: That sounds great.
1: I okay. So let's begin. If you would put both feet on the floor, if, you, if it's helpful to close your eyes. And uh, my spiritual director, Father Michael, always says, say to God with your body what you're saying with your mind and with your heart. And so I invite you to, if that's sit up straight a little bit, if that's bow your head, if that's lift your eyes, uh, if that's open your hands, whatever it is, say to God with your body, I'm open I am open to you, God. Please speak. Your servant is listening. And we're going to hold three like heavy burdens um, in God's presence in these moments. And let's begin with something in the world that's going on and I invite you to hold your hands together like you're holding something and hold it down by your waist and just picture in your hand something that's going on in the world that uh, weighs you down, something that breaks your heart, something that you feel deep in your bones. It's not right. Can you picture it? And now if you would would you lift this up to your to your face to your voice and take just 15 seconds to tell God about it. What is it about this that breaks your heart? Tell God about it. And now in God's presence, in solidarity with all of us who are doing this practice together, would you lift your hands above your head and release this burden into God's good mercy and strength. And then let your hands come back down to your side. To help to shake out your hands a little bit. We're going to do one more. Would you hold your hands open again down by your waist? And is there one thing in your life that you are holding, a burden? Something that breaks your heart, something that you can not figure out a way to let go, something that is either wounding or confusing? Can you picture it? Is there something even tangible uh, that you can picture yourself holding that would represent that burden? And now would you lift it up to your your mouth? And I'm gonna give us 30 seconds for this one. Would you tell God about it as one friend talking to another? Would you just pour out your heart? Why do you feel this way about this burden? What's going on? How does it feel? What do you need? Let's take a moment and pour out our hearts about this burden to God. And then finally, not in a trite way, not in a um, insincere way, but in a way full of faith, would you lift your hands above your head and release this burden into God's hands, into the hands of the one who made this universe and holds it together into the hands of one of the one who has kept your heart beating all day. Into the ones from whom all blessings flow. And we pray this in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and all of us together say, Amen.
0: Thank you so much, my friend. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. You know, there is just such a grace on your life to guide us into those kind of spaces. I can't believe how different I feel right now. Like what a tangible yeah. difference, you know? Yeah. Like in the same way yeah. that like, I mean, I would think it'd been like a two hour massage or something. It's just like, <laughs> I'm like my my yeah. body is different. My soul, like, I yeah. mean, that is like
1: immediate. Yeah.
0: That's unbelievable yeah. how tangible that is.
1: My My theory is that God is constantly pouring God's grace, blessing, healing, power, favor onto us. Like we're standing under a waterfall. It doesn't turn on and turn off. It is constant. But we really need to choose to open our hands. Yes. And I think that's the brilliance of these little practices. They help us open our hands to receive what we've been receiving all along. We just didn't know it. Yes.
0: Yes. Well, thank you for another practice, another way of opening our hands that once again Mm. I'm going to carry with me. Seriously, I carry it in my own prayer life and daily practice. And I just, I've loved this time so much. I so appreciate who you are, what you're doing in the world. It's so important, the space you're creating for people. I tell you what, I I want everybody to read The Eternal Current. Again, that's foundational for what we're doing at the table. But I want people to listen to the podcast, so subscribe via Apple Podcast. Yeah, is that the best way?
1: Apple's the best way, but there there are a number for our Android friends. A number of ways. It's on Podbean. It's on um, Spotify. It's you can find it. The Eternal Current Podcast. So, thanks for saying it. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for the time, my friend, for being with us and just for all the work you're doing, again, for the space that you're carving out and Mm -hmm. for making my day exponentially Uh better, both in the conversation and from just connecting me to everything that matters. Love Mm -hmm. and appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. I feel the same way. It's been awesome. Talk to you soon.